The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the CA's sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer, and Jason Munns, the jack-of-all-trades here at at the CA. Um, Memphis coming off a win over East Carolina. Uh, Offense looked great. Defense, not so great. Um, But right off the bat, Evan, give us your review of Greenville, North Carolina. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting on this. All right, so give us yeah, what, like we we need. Did you give any Yelp reviews while you were there, or anything like that? Like, okay, I should point out that I stayed most of my time in Riley, so I enjoyed Riley a lot more. Greenville, I was there for the game, got out. I was trying to go to Bojangles and get some chicken there, but after Mark called me and we had a conversation, I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to hang around here because they're taking forever with the food. So as soon as that game was over, I was out. I mean, it was interesting city to say the least, but. Nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. That's like, I mean, I can't believe you just skipped Greenville. It's one of like America's destinations. My favorite. What, what kind of America are we talking? Like my kind of America <laughs> or yours or Jason's? Like what kind? <laughs> my favorite thing about um, my favorite thing about Greenville, the one time that I visited, uh, the highlight of my trip, there was there's a street in Greenville. They have a street. There's really? there's a street in Greenville named uh the, what was the Facebook game that was like all the it was Angry like Birds Farmville Farmville yeah Farmville There is a street called Farmville in in Greenville North Carolina and this was back in 2013 when that was kind of like a big deal so that was the highlight of my Greenville trip uh my that's my Greenville I trip. did notice that and I thought that was kind of cool but it was random like Farmville like what in the yeah. world Yeah where, where have I heard that There's a Farmville Virginia and I've been there so there's actually really? a town called Farmville in Virginia. Yeah, it's uh, I want to say it's where Longwood University is. Huh. Um, well, we've all got our Farmville stories. Well, we digress. Let's. No one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> to this. People are jumping out. Um, Evan, what was your takeaway? Takeaways from that win. They fi- they they finally get a road win, but I'm curious what you thought. Finally, yeah. Um, I thought the offense finally looked like the offense that I've been hearing about Memphis was supposed to be. They passed the ball well. Not just passed the ball. They, they took some chances. They showed some versatility, some variety. Um, got the screen game working. Um, Brady White wasn't afraid to challenge. DeMonte Cox, he had a phenomenal game. Daryl Henderson was healthy the minute he took that screen pass for his first touch for a 71-yard touchdown. But the defense, however, just had me... Honestly, had me cringing at times because it just seemed like from that first drive, ECU was content on we're going to take some chances and expose this defense. So I thought the defense, if you want me to be honest, I thought it was in some ways worse than what they did against Missouri because against Missouri, you could say there's Drew Locke who's going to be an NFL quarterback next year. This freshman quarterback for ECU looked very good. I don't know what he's going to be, but they made him look very, very good. And they look like Steve Young. Yeah, I mean the defense said at times, you know. O'Brien Goodson said today. And he's not Steve Young. No, 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 not at all. Um, we talked to O'Brien Goodson uh, this week, and he said they, they tried to wrap him up, but just because his size, he's 6'4", 2-something, like they got out of his um, grasp a few times. But even just that, there were receivers left wide open down the field. Um, 
there was one touchdown I thought that was embarrassing where um the quarterback got free and there was a wide open Trayvon Brown for ECU and all he had to do was just basically walk his way to the end zone. So I thought the defense, in my opinion, this was probably their besides Tulane, maybe their worst game just because of this ECU offense is not an offense that is lighting teams. I mean, they're putting up yards, but they scored 41 points. That was their season high. They gave up 556 yards, which was their season high in total offense, I believe. So I thought this was maybe their worst performance, all things considered, just because of what ECU had been doing leading up to this point. Here's my question about this defense, because I think this is, as we head in these last three games, we should note there is a, because of this win and Houston's loss to SMU, there is a very real possibility that this Memphis team could still win the AAC West if they win these. They have to win out. Houston has to lose one more time in addition to losing to Memphis, obviously. And Tulane has to lose two more times. Tulane has ECU, Navy, and Houston Houston left on its schedule. And Houston has Memphis. Temple and Temple uh Temple Tulane and Memphis. Uh, and Memphis. So if they lose to Temple, which Temple looks pretty good, like Houston could lose to Temple, yeah. this thing gets real. But out of that scenario, when I go through it, I think the most unlikely part of that scenario is Memphis winning out, playing the way it's currently playing. Yeah. Um like winning at SMU like this week against Tulsa, you know, you should win that and get bowl eligible and and I'll get back to that in a little bit, but um at SMU in Houston, I mean, you're going to have to play much better defense than you've been playing. Now, my question is, is this a coaching thing? Or is it the fact that maybe there just aren't very good defensive players on Memphis's team? I mean, that's that's my question. Through all this. Like, I thought TJ Carter looked pretty good in that game. It's I don't know what the right answer is. Right. It's probably a combination of both. Because um, you're seeing these breakdowns um, which aren't necessarily because of talent. It's because they're not executing the calls correctly or the calls being made are not the right calls. But at the same time, like take maybe like take out TJ Carter. Like who's actually good on this defense? I mean, like <laughs> like what play I mean, like I and I, it sounds harsh, but like, you know, Jojo Dorseus has been pretty good on the defensive line. Like O'Brien Goodson's okay, I guess. I'd say Aikens has definitely played at times. Aikens, yeah. Like Austin Hall isn't hasn't looked very good this year. The two safeties haven't looked good this year. Whoever's played that second cornerback hasn't looked very good this year. Um, you know, Bryce Huff has had some moments. JJ Russell was the talk of training camp. I've never I don't even hear his name called during games. Yeah. Um, you know. That whole the defensive line doesn't like what do they even do? what do they do well like I I don't know what the issue is um, in terms of how you fix this but um, I'm curious what you guys think I mean do what do you like I I tweeted during the game I thought that I think the defense is broken and I'm not sure there's anyone on the sideline or on the field right now who can fix it yeah. um, so I'm and it's been a problem I mean it's been a problem all of Mike's three years here but it got you, know, you could gloss over it because one the offense was better. The offense always looked like it did against ECU last week. It always seemed to look like that. And the defense created turnovers. This defense, I mean, they got the two fumble, the two kind of fumbles against UCF, but I don't think they, they haven't done much else in, yeah. over the past month or so. There's been three games, by the way, where the defense has not forced a turnover. 
including ECU. They didn't force a turn. That was on special teams. Right. It's ECU. Well, here's my take on the, on the question that you have uh, posed here is I think what Memphis has on defense right now that they're working with, what they have to work with on defense is the, the majority of, of guys that they have to run out there on, on pretty much an every down, you know, the guys who are your starters, I would say there's a few of those guys who are, you know, in a, in a different situation in, in an ideal situation, those guys are role players. Those guys are bench players. And for one reason or another, they're, they're having to start and they're having to to contribute more than I don't know about that. These most of the, they were as healthy as they've been against ECU. No, yeah. I'm saying just that's what they've got on their roster. I'm not gotcha. saying that's that's. So you think it's injuries. a recruiting issue? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I mean, like the, the, I would tend to agree with you in the sense that like it seems like they do they've done a much better job recruit doing finding not necessarily diamonds in the rough, but like getting guys for the offense, and that's I think a product of the fact that. It's easier for Mike to recruit to this offense because the offense looked good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I the just, defense hasn't. I just think it's the best of what they've. They're, they're working with the best they've got, and and so yeah, it boils down to recruiting and and, and a couple of injuries here and there. But um, well, I bring up the question because I was on I was on uh, I was on with Eli Savoy on Sports Fifty Six on Monday, and he I didn't have the information available for me when he asked this, but he goes, you know, maybe it's just impossible to play good defense in the group of five. You know, because of the way these offenses are. Well, I went and looked it up. UAB, number four in the country in total defense. Cincinnati, in the AAC, playing these same sort of teams. Number five in total defense. Southern Miss, number seven in total defense. App State, number nine in total defense. San Diego State, number 10 in total defense. Charlotte, number 12 in total defense. Fresno State, number 14 in total defense. Um, It's not impossible to play good defense in the group of five correct and that's where yes i i tend to think the players aren't that good i think that's part of the problem i do too but i also think with the right coach sure they could be better yes um you know like i said a lot of these touchdowns we've seen have been terrible tackling like this team is a terrible tackling team they have been all year it wasn't just that ecu game they've been all year and it's like you know, that's, you know, that's partly, I guess, on the players. But, you know, when you see the same things happening over and over again, that's coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these past two games, just the coverage breakdowns. It has not like a lot of these touchdowns they've given up have nothing to do with like it'd be one thing if like teams had six, three wide receivers who were beating TJ Carter and Tito Windham for touchdown passes because they're bigger and high pointing the ball like and they're just winning one on one matchups. That's like, you know, it's not good, but it's like also like, you know what, that's, that happens. You have to tip your hat in that, right. in that scenario. That's not what's happening. No. That's not what's happening. It's there, there, there's total breakdowns on the defense. And the fact that, like, who on this defense is like a first year player? Like in that game, yeah. the other day, like none Nobody. of them were like first year players. Like, They've- and that to me, you know, it does speak to the players, but like, I, you know, you see what's happened, what happened at like Oklahoma when you got a new voice in there, like. Yeah, I hate to say it, Chris Ball's a really nice guy, but like as as they used to tell me in college when I, you know, going after girls, nice guy goes nice guys grow on trees, man. Like you know, like <laughs> you know, yeah, it's about winning football games. And I'll be fascinated like I think these last three games, that is 
the most fascinating subplot of all of this. How will like you know because they're not you know, Chris Paul's not going to get fired mid season like right now like no. obviously, but does this defense so, show signs of improvement because? Just like there's not that many first-year players, there's also not that many seniors on this defense. Like, most of these guys are back next year. And Chris Ball is Mike Norvell's best friend on this staff. They work together at Arizona State. They go fishing together. And I'm just fascinated to see how Mike ends up dealing with this. So, you know, the people I've talked to, a lot of people think Chris Ball will be back next year. Um, Which would indicate they believe that it is a a deal where they're working with limited, you know, but I think that could change if like, if they play as bad as they did against ECU, these last three games, I think that could change. And then they, you know, lose the bowl game or something like look terrible in the bowl. Like, I think that could change. The weirdest thing to me about the whole thing is that like against, they will show up at times to me, like against UCF, the first half, first half. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like great. Yeah. And then, and then against teams where they should, play a lot better you know i mean ecu set a season high in yards and tied their season high for points against them yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and this is a team that hasn't hadn't won hasn't won an aac game they've been in some games but they haven't won any so it's like this team if you're gonna do this let's remind everybody houston number four in the country in total offense this is a team that's loaded even though their defense is kind of sketchy let's say houston lights them up I don't know what you can say to be like, well, this defense will be fine next year. No, these guys are coming back and they're getting lit up. I don't know what you can say. And to me, the one problem I have is, you know, there's situations where they're giving guys all this soft coverage where they have seven, eight yards to catch balls. And I'm like, that's giving up like first downs almost every single time. That's a problem with coaching, I think, not so much the players. But I think the bigger, I think, like Mark said, I think the question is if Memphis knows that this team can be special next year with so many guys coming back. What are they going to do to try to fix this defense? Because right now, I, I think they got a lot to prove to say they're going to be special next year. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just say they were, they're returning a lot. We'll say it's yeah. potential, but we don't know. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up: so they're playing Tulsa this week, and if they win, they'll be bowl eligible for the fifth year in a row. There are, according to what I'm looking at right now, one, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. About a little under 25 teams in the country that have current bowl streaks of, it would be five years for Memphis. I think that's a pretty notable achievement for this program. I know people are disappointed about, you know, the fact that they're five and four, but like the fact that they're in that sort of company. Yeah. In what we, you know, what we're talking about as a down year, I think that's significant. Has Memphis ever had a stretch of five years where they've, no. no, last year they was the first time they ever have four. Yeah, so. so there are things about this season that are worth celebrating, and the fact that like I mean they're lucky the the, the whole league's down, the whole division's down. Yep. Yep. Like they're they they still have stuff to play for. Sure, um, but I just think it's 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 really interesting to me that if they win this game, they'll they'll be bowl eligible again. And I know you know some people are checked out because things didn't go perfectly, but. I think I think it's a notable achievement. It's a testament to the administration and the athletic department for the commitment they've made to football um over the last half decade. And uh you know, it's it's easy to forget where this program was. I, there was a column this week in the Connecticut newspapers 
you know, maybe UConn should get rid of its football program. Like, that's where this program was at not that long ago. Like, people were wondering if the program should be just terminated. And now it's, uh, you know, it's a bright spot in the city, you know, even this year. Like, it's it's a fun time to have, you know, going to the games. Like, they're, you know, we're we're complaining, bitching, and complaining, and they're five and four. And, like, right. you know, that didn't happen that often a decade ago. Now, the other side of the coin is, you know, this is now the highest paid coaching staff in the group of five. So um, you can probably get away with this type of season this year. But if you do it again, then you start not to say like you'd be on the hot seat, but it'd be like, well, are we getting our money's worth? Um, but, you know, and and we'll see. We we talked about this in previous weeks. You know, these next three weeks could really change the narrative of the season. Yeah. I think. Especially if they play better defensively, if the offense looks like it did against ECU. I mean, you mentioned, I thought, what I thought was really impressive about the ECU game is one, they got all three running backs involved quite a bit. Like, Tony Pollard got the ball a lot more, it seemed like. And they seemed to play more to Brady. I don't know if it was maybe Brady executing better or just they played more to his strengths. Like, yeah, they took a shot or two downfield, but really they were just hitting on quick slants, screens, things like that, and they just were executing those a lot better. And I don't know if that's a function of just – apparently ECU's defense was considered pretty solid going into that game. Um, you know, maybe it was that, maybe it was just being in Greenville. They just were soaking up that atmosphere and it just felt so good to be in Greenville, but, um, they looked good. It looked like they, it looked like a, they had a good plan and it looked like they really played to Brady's strengths. And I thought he played his best game of the year. And so that's something that's really encouraging going into this Tulsa game against a Tulsa team that is not good. Um, <laughs> answer me this kind of going back to the defense and, and, Reswitching gears. Um, does it seem to you guys like they are sort of the defense has played sort of up and down to their competition? I mean, I know what we know about Navy now is they're not that great, but they played well against Navy defensively. Um, and we, we thought that might be a challenge for them. I mean, right. Cause they run for like 400 yards. They average like 400 yards of rushing a game or something like that. And they held them to like 250 or whatever. We mentioned already the UCF, uh, you know, what they did, uh, in part of that game against UCF, I mean, if if they are like playing up and down to their competition, then well, I do think like, that is coaching. They played like garbage against Missouri, and Missouri's pretty good. Yeah. So, well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm talking I, more about the conference game. I, I get yeah. what you're saying because I mean, like with Navy and UCF, I mean, you could argue that Navy is still probably the highlight defensively for them, and then that first half of UCF was. It, pr- pretty it, outstanding. It's pretty outstanding. It was really good. Here's the thing about those two games. When they actually needed to make a stop, when it actually mattered, in neither of those games did they get a stop. Yep. In the whole second half against UCF in the rain, they couldn't stop them when they needed to. And against Navy, as much like this is glossing over the fact that it was really the offense's fault that they blew that game. But ultimately, those last two drives, Navy was able to do what it wanted yeah. um, in those games. The defense yeah. ultimately broke down. And. Now in the Navy game, it's probably unf- like I don't think anyone blamed them because they played so well the op- the first fifty five minutes or fifty minutes of that game. But still, ultimately, Navy scored touchdowns on his last two drives right. when they needed to. Right. UCF scored in the second half when they needed to. 
Um, just couldn't stop. And those were yeah. those were the highlights of the season. Yeah, you know, like right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, and like you know, George, you know, Georgia Southern moved the ball. Or yeah. what was it? South was, Alabama. South Alabama yeah. moved the ball on them. That's right. Um, and Tulane, goodness, I try to forget about that game. Tulane second half. UConn had success. It's first, first drive. First drive. Right? Yeah. yeah. UConn's just oof. <laughs> like. Oof. <laughs> let's let's not mention them anymore. But yeah. still, what do you, I mean, yeah. the point is they should have no, but not like, had success. But you know this Tulsa game. You know again, it's not going to prove anything because Tulsa's bad. Um, it really like until they if they got to beat SMU in Houston to actually like now it seems like SMU is a decent team. Um, I, I will point out they gave Michigan more of a game than Penn State did early this year. Um, my Wolverines. <laughs> um, but that, that game was at SMU, right? Or was that at Michigan? No way, Michigan would never play a game at SMU. Um, no, that was a bye game. But um, no, they're a pretty good team. They're getting better under Sonny Dykes. Yep. And uh, but Memphis hasn't beaten a good team yet, so they haven't even really beaten an average team yet. Um, to be quite honest. And so, who's their best win so far? Last I checked, the only team above five hundred they had beaten was Mercer, and they're an FCS oh, gosh. team. That was, was that, that was after the Missouri game. They were four and three after the Missouri game. I haven't checked lately. But, oh my goodness! I mean, UConn not good. South Alabama's not having a good year. ECU is awful. ECU's not good. So Georgia State's probably awful. There's a lot of questions. I think that's why there's some disappointment. Is that yes, they're going to be bowl eligible, but it's going to be like, you know, because the schedule was soft, and I think because the schedule was soft, that's why people had such high expectations this year. But hey, maybe they run the table and things fall their way and and they get to go back down to Orlando and get another shot at UCF. It's not out of the realm of possibility, which is pretty amazing. Um and Mercer's 4 and 5 by the way. 4 and 5, so I don't think they've beaten a team that's above 500 this year. Yeah. Um and it, that won't change if they beat Tulsa. If they win, yeah. No. Um so we'll see. I think I think those last two games, even I mean this game, they went out. We'll, we'll talk differently, and but at the same time, let's keep things in perspective. That you know what, this is still the best era of Memphis football. Yeah. You know, even though this year hasn't really gone as everyone hoped it would, it's st- we're still sitting in the middle of the best era of Memphis football, maybe ever. Um, if this is the biggest hiccup in the best era, you know, like if this is considered a hiccup, then you're still in pretty good shape. And there's still, I mean, like I said, there's still a shot they could go like nine and four. Like it's very, like yeah, I could see it happening. Yeah, they and, don't control their own destiny, but they do have plenty left to play for. Yeah, and could and could end up like you said with a with a nice looking record at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. and maybe a trip to like Boca Raton or Dallas. No Birmingham. I was gonna say Birmingham, maybe, but. Boca Raton, please no. Yeah, we shall see. Well, that'll that'll go. Let's see. Let's let's. They got to clinch. They got to get that bull eligibility first before we start talking about that. So that's what that should you have to look forward to this weekend. It's an 11 a.m. kick. It's supposed to be pretty uh pretty chilly out there, but uh it's good football weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'll be curious to see how many people show up. I'll be curious to see how many they announce because the school changed its policy for basketball. They're now announcing tickets distributed not turnstile count or they weren't really even doing turnstile count last year for basketball but it sounds like they're going to do that for all every Memphis sport. events mm. so 
there's probably only going to be, I would guess, like 20,000 people there, but they might announce 30. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) which would be good. And just a reminder, just how cold it's going to be. The high is 44 degrees. So it's not cold. It's fine. It's all right. Cold. All right. What? All right. East Coast, man. Like you can say I that. I went to Michigan. It's like, come on. Whew, you it's know, cold. cold. It's cold. Like drink a few beers, have some whiskey and apple cider and you'll be good to go. And if, if you're, if you don't drink alcohol, just have some hot apple cider. 44 in the middle of the day is. Right. And we're talking, we may have to get there at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, seven o'clock if you're tailgating. So you might be in the thirties. <sighs> it's not that bad. Come on. All right, I'll see you. I'll see you with no sleeves on at the Liberty Bowl. I'll be bundled up in my. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying wear no sleeves in the cold. (laughs) Wear a coat. We have thin blood, Evan. We have thin blood. That's what it is. Yeah, y'all do. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm cold. I'm warm blood. See, I feel like the worst type of games are not the ones where you know it's going to be cold and you're prepared. Like I, there were some games at Michigan where like it was like a 3:30 kick and it was like 70 degrees at kickoff and then it got down to like 40 that's the those are the worst cuz you're not prepared for it right like you know it's going to be cold, so dress for the cold. You can't even say anything. You're from Southern California. Exactly. It's like no, I can't. 70 and sunny I can't is, is like a terrible day. Because I don't wake up to 40 degrees in the morning. It's like, oh, you see that? I'm going to stay in bundle under these clothes and covers. But it's just, it's a, it's like a bonding experience. You're all at the Liberty Bowl. You can all sit near each other and get warm, you know, use each other's heat. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm not like a big fan of the, like, Oh, it's cold or it's raining. Either you wanted to go to the football game or you didn't want to go to the football game. I'm not a fan of leaving games early. People get mad at me about this, but like, I'm not a fan of leaving games early. Like, if you're going to leave early, just don't go. Like, you know, maybe if it's like a really bad blowout, I, I'm okay with you leaving in the fourth quarter. If one way or the other, a team's down like 40 to three yeah. and like you're like, yeah, all right, enough of this. Yeah. But if it's a close game, like, I've, I've told my wife this, like, we're we're having our first kid and she's like talking about going to Ann Arbor for a game next fall. And I'm like, and she, and I'm like, we're going to go with a little, like, you know, seven, eight month kid to a football game. She's like, yeah, we did. We can just leave at halftime. I go, I'm not going to a game where I'm leaving at halftime. Are you crazy? No way. No way. We're either going or we're not going. And if like the kid can't make it through the game, I'm not going. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. So well, I digress again. Um, Either way, Greenville, yeah, dress warmly. It should be fun. Come celebrate Memphis, more than likely getting bowl eligibility. Um, We'll be back next week to break it down and look ahead to that suddenly um, interesting road game at SMU. Um, Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much for listening. And come to the Liberty Bowl and wear a jacket. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. Pop stars with auto-tune. And dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Venti soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.